Well, hey everyone, and welcome to episode number 30 of our Book of Acts video devotional series called Christ in the Crisis. This is the last weekday that we will be doing this uh, on this series. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, those of you who are watching live, I see we got a few people on there, two or three, three, two, three. And uh, those of you, who, of course, who will watch uh, later, uh, I just encourage you to share, share, share. Uh, we've got this on Podbean. We've got this on Apple Podcasts, our website, citypointchurch.ca, and our Facebook page. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, as I have said, all month long, people are looking for hope. And you may say, well, are they really going to listen to something as strange as a series on the book of Acts? Yes, they will. They're listening to Stranger Than That. And uh, so we're talking about the good news. So much bad news in the world today. Uh, but we're talking about the good news of Jesus who can set people free from their sin and transform people from the inside out. And that is what we all need uh, I'm reminded of Paul's um, word to the Romans. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, not one. And we see this on display daily uh, in the world that we live in today and the absolute outrage that is happening uh, right now in the United States and in Canada um, is front and center. And uh, I'll have more to to say about that on Sunday morning when we finish our uh, our whole series here on um, Christ in the Crisis. We'll talk about the crisis of delay, and that will be at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning on Facebook Live. And remember as well, I will put it on for you one last time, that uh, right after that service uh, at 1 p.m., we are going to have a special Zoom call and we're going to we're going to do something positive and we're going to do something fun and play a, a quiz and i'm doing the questions and they are tough uh they, they these are questions you get in a bible college exam on the book of acts maybe some of them anyway and uh so the winner is going to get a fantastic prize like this is a really good prize and um you know we have not been able to meet in person and we love to give away stuff uh, you know, we've done coffee and gifts and donuts and all this stuff on our Sunday mornings when we used to meet at the theater. And uh, so it's actually less on the budget for us to, you know, uh, give out this iPad to a winner after a whole series that we that we do. But this will be the last time that we do this. So you'll want to study hard. And on Sunday, the winner of that quiz is going to get a brand new iPad mailed to their house courtesy of me. So um we are in Acts chapter 19 tonight, and uh, as I mentioned yesterday, um, these these are the missionary journeys of Paul. And uh, again, an easy way to remember this is the word pacer. So P is for Paul, A is for Antioch, and that would be Antioch in Syria, which is north of Jerusalem by about 300 miles. So that's the major highlight of Paul's first missionary journey. Uh, so P-A-C, his second missionary journey, big highlight was Corinth, the city of Corinth. And he would write two letters to the Corinthians. And you see that 
uh, in Acts chapter 18 that we looked at yesterday. And in the middle there of Acts chapter 18 starts Paul's third missionary journey, or uh, third missionary journey, which is E for Ephesus. So P-A-C-E for Ephesus. And you see a whole bunch of stuff that happens in the city of Ephesus tonight. And then R would be Rome. So P is for Paul, A, Antioch, C, Corinth, E, Ephesus, and R, Rome, the four missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. Very important for you to remember that. Now, um, in the city of Ephesus, where he, he ends up while Apollos is in Corinth, Paul takes the road through the interior and arrives at Ephesus. And again, this is a long way from home. I've got a, I've got a map here. Uh, of Paul's third uh, uh, third missionary journey here. I'll just flip over the page uh, so I can see it. Yeah, you're talking hundreds of miles northwest of Jerusalem, okay? And again, this is the fulfillment of Jesus' promise that the gospel would be spread to the uttermost parts of the earth. It was spreading to the, to the reaches of the Roman Empire and would eventually make its way to Rome as you see uh, when you read through the entire book of Acts. So, well, uh, when when Paul gets to Ephesus, a peculiar thing happens at the beginning. He finds some disciples. This is the word that Luke uses for believers. He finds some disciples and he asks them this really strange question. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? In some translations, after you believed. It is an odd question because it implicit in there is that a person can be a believer and not, quote unquote, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this is language that we see in the book of Acts that repeats itself and that other terms are used for. What's being referred to here is not the indwelling presence of the Spirit when a person is born again. What's being referred to here is the power of the Spirit, uh, which starts in Acts chapter 2. And there's different language used for this. We saw it in Acts chapter 2 with the 120, or we think it was 120 believers. Then we see it in Acts chapter 8 with the Samaritans. Remember, Peter and John went there uh, to see what was going on because Philip's ministry was effective and people were being converted. And so they... Uh, place their hands on these people so that they would receive the Holy Spirit. Again, this is not the idea of, well, now the Spirit is coming to dwell in the person. No, the Spirit dwells in the person at salvation. This has to do with the power of the Spirit and the the um, sort of release of the power of the Spirit in the person's life. This is a language that we trace through uh, the book of Acts. Now, different... Um, uh, uh, there are different theologies about this, and you know, in the in the Pentecostal uh, view uh, of which which I am of that view, uh, the power of the Spirit. You know that that you have received the power of the Holy Spirit and the baptism in the Spirit by an evidence of speaking in languages, or some people call this speaking in tongues. Um, and in other uh, theologies, this is not necessarily a sign of that. 
But we can argue over all those things all we want. That's not the point of the book of Acts. The point of the book of Acts is when the power of the Spirit comes on someone, they are able to be an effective witness for Jesus. And that is the point. Whatever view, whatever your theological uh, view is, whether it's Pentecostal or, or some other view, that's not the point. The point is we all agree that the power of God uh, is needed for the believer. And again, I will talk about this more on Sunday, which happens to be Pentecost Sunday. So um, they, they say no. Uh, we have not heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And again, uh, we see this Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius and the Gentiles. And now we see it again with these Gentiles in Ephesus. Uh, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Curious response. So Paul says, well, what baptism did you receive then? They say, well, John's baptism, which would have been uh, water baptism. And they say, Paul says, well, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance my volumes are good good um and he told them to believe in the one coming after him that is in jesus curious event here now on hearing this they were baptized in the name of the lord jesus what does that mean were they baptized in water a second time this time identifying with jesus and not simply with repentance uh, through the teaching of john uh we're not entirely sure that's probably what it means when paul puts his hands on them what happened the holy spirit comes on them and they speak in languages and prophesy good grief so we saw this in acts chapter 2 we see something in acts chapter 8 we don't know what it is doesn't say but it's clearly supernatural we see it with the gentiles in acts chapter 10 and now we see it with the gentiles in acts chapter 19 it's just a, it really unusual and there's about 12 uh, men, we're told, in this. Okay, and then Luke shifts gears. And again, we're talking all in the city of Ephesus. He goes into the synagogue. This is his custom. He starts with the synagogues, with the Jews, with the God-fearing Gentiles. And he's there for three months. Wow. Arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. Some become obstinate which we've seen over and over again in the book of Acts, they refuse to believe and they publicly malign. And here a curious term is used, the way, uh, uh, being the way of Jesus. And so Paul leaves and he takes the disciples with him. We're not sure who these disciples are. And he talks in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. I mean, this is this is Ephesus, okay? This is, this is a lot of the, the Greco-Roman religious view is there. And so this goes on for two years he spent there. And all the Jews and the Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Wow, what an effective uh, two years and a few months of ministry Paul had there. He had the attention and the ear of a large population of people. God does all these miracles through Paul. Handkerchiefs, aprons. Uh, that had touched him were taken to the sick and illnesses were cured and evil spirits left people. I mean, it, that is some crazy kind of thing. But this is what happened. And then uh, we see something else bizarre. Again, this is a this is a quite a city. The lot goes on here. You have some Jewish men who are kind of um, uh, self-made exorcists. 
And they run around trying to do that, and they decide to use the name of the Lord Jesus over those who have problems with evil spirits to say, that is so weird. Okay, now back then, you have a lot of different worship systems floating around in the Greco-Roman pantheon. Even the Jews, we see some evidence that they were into the occult in some of the archaeology that we found in the homes. Um, but, I mean, you've got people calling on all kinds of stuff um, and all kinds of gods and goddesses and spirits and all of that. And I just need to tell you that the, the world of the occult is not fantasy land. It is a very real world. And uh, this type of thing does happen. And so they would they would try to to help people by invoking the name of the Lord Jesus over these people with these problems. And they would go up to people and say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Well, it doesn't work very well. Uh, there are, uh, and the men were told who they are, the seven sons of Sceva, who is a Jewish high priest in, uh, in Ephesus. And they were doing this. And so one day, uh, a, a spirit answers them. Uh, I have had that happen to me once in my life, where I was working with an individual and trying to help somebody. And uh, it was a clear-cut case, one of the very few that I have seen of uh, something demonic happening in the life of an individual. I've only seen it about two or three times in 30 years. And it did speak back. Uh, it wasn't like a movie or anything. It was actually somewhat like this. And um, in any case, uh, the thing says, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? Now, that's not what it said to me, but it did answer. And, um, and then the man who had this apparent demon overpowered all these seven men, beat them up, uh, left them in a sorry state, and this becomes known uh, all over the place to the Jews and to the Greeks who are living in Ephesus. And people are afraid. And the name of Jesus is held in high honor, we're told, as a result of this. And there were a group of, of occultists, many people who were into the occult there, who, who openly repent and confess what they had done. And those who had, who had practiced uh, sorcery, they brought all of their stuff, all of their paraphernalia together, we're told, and they burn it publicly. It's like this kind of an act of renunciation of the thing. And when they calculate the values, a huge amount, um, uh, 50,000 drachmas, and a drachma was... Uh, about a day's uh, wages. So, you know, 50,000 days wages, that's the enormous amount of money that this was worth. And the word of the Lord spreads, we're told. And then Paul decides he's going to journey uh, all the way back to Jerusalem. He would eventually make it there. And uh, he's he, he passes through Macedonia and Achaia, and he, he wants to visit Rome. Um, and he sends Timothy and Erastus to Macedonia, and he stays in the province of Asia for a little while. <laughs> We're not sure how long that while is, um, but it, he, it's... We're still dealing with Ephesus, apparently, because at that time, there is a great disturbance that happens. And you have a guy named Demetrius, um, and he's a, he makes idols and uh, shrines 
of Artemis, one of the, the, the gods there, and b- brings in a lot of business. So he's a businessman who traffics in idolatry, in, in a sense. And so he calls he calls a kind of a meeting, and he says, you know, we receive a good income from this business, and you see how this Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus, and they'll practically the whole province of Asia. So again, our sights are on Ephesus, even though Paul wants to journey. Uh, he's apparently still in Ephesus here, or maybe he floated around and went back to Ephesus. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. He's challenging our idolatry, and our we're going to lose our money. The great goddess Artemis will be discredited, uh, and... Uh, uh, She's worshipped throughout the world, and she'll be robbed of her divine majesty. (laughs) Shame on Paul, right? So this is not persecution from a group of Jews. This is persecution from uh, Gentiles who are losing their business because of the attack on idolatry through the preaching of the gospel. And there is an uproar in the city, and people are shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! And uh, a couple of Paul's companions, Gaius and Aristarchus, are are uh, uh, seized, and they rush into some public theater. Uh, and there's this uproar in the city, and uh, Paul wants to speak, but they the, his followers say, "No, no, 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 don't! It's too dangerous." And um, uh, they send him a message: "Don't even go into the theater." <clears throat> Probably afraid he was going to get trampled to death. And so it's all confusion. It's mass chaos. Um, you, you know, it's, it, it brings to my mind what's going on in, um, in Minneapolis uh, and the fires and the looting and the absolute chaos and the outrage. Uh, this is a totally different situation, of course. And uh, here, you know, these people are in, in a state of confusion and the, the, the Jews push a guy named Alexander to the front and they want him to be a spokesperson. And so he silences, uh, uh, the crowd in order to make a, a, a defense. Uh, we're not sure what their motivation is. It says they're Jews here, not Gentiles. Interesting. Uh, when they realize that, uh, that Alexander is a Jew, um, yeah, they shout in, in unison for, Two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. I mean, man, there's a real battle of religious views there. So the city clerk quiets the crowd and, you know, talks about um, uh, Ephesus and talks about Artemis and the power of Artemis and her image and how this is undeniable. So everybody needs to chill. Everybody needs to calm down. You bring these people here, but these people haven't robbed temples. They haven't blasphemed our goddess. Uh, If Demetrius and his people have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open. The proconsuls are open. They can press charges. If there's anything further you want to bring up, it has to be settled by the law. And so he kind of calms the whole situation down and dismisses the assembly. But it's, it's real Gentile country. I mean, it's real... Man, this is this is so far out, and all Paul is doing is talking about Jesus, uh, his deity, his death, his resurrection. But it's it's just by nature uh, toppling over the idolatry and the commerce in idolatry because as people turn to Christ, they no longer need the idol. Um, so it's just this city of Ephesus. 
so many similarities to a modern metropolis uh, like Montreal, um, where uh, the, I'm sure just about everybody who's watching this or listening to this uh, lives in the greater Montreal area. Many similarities between Ephesus and the city uh, and any large North American city or city in the Western world here. Uh, you know, conflicting of ideas and religious views. And here you have the view of Jesus preached clearly and people's lives start to be changed. But the chapter starts with the power of the Holy Spirit in a group of Ephesians' lives and ends as we watch Paul and his his tireless ministry there. Uh, many months into years he spent in the whole Asian area there of that time and of course the city of Ephesus so I challenge you to read through the rest of the book of Acts on your own so you've got from you've only got nine chapters and you will see uh, Paul uh, end up in Jerusalem even though he's told not to go there Uh, he there's actually a prophet who tells him, if you go there, you are going to be persecuted. They're going to tie you up. They're going to bind you. They're going to persecute you. And Paul goes anyways. And it it happens to him. And through charges that are laid, he ends up all the way uh, taking the journey all the way to Rome, which was his goal. And um, you you see what happens. It reads almost like like a captain's log on a ship. It is so real. And so I encourage you to read the rest of the book of Acts on your own. Remember, do your homework there. You've got 30 lessons, uh, video teachings that you can watch, you can catch up. I look forward to seeing you on uh, Sunday at 11 a.m. for our service. And if there's any of you who are watching a group of men in our church, we're going to meet tomorrow on Zoom. Uh, for our our group meeting. So if you're watching, listening, uh, you should have received the link so that you can join that. God bless you, and uh, I look forward to seeing you, in quotes, on Sunday.